You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Welcome to The Good GP and the latest in our COVID special series. This information is current as of the 25th of March 2020. Please look at further podcasts to stay up to date. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Christina Delange, RACGP board member and chair of the National Faculty for GPs in Training and fellow Good GP podcaster. Welcome, Christina. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me again. So we'd like to ask a few questions about the RACGP exams. Obviously, this is causing quite a bit of angst for registrars. We did a podcast previously on training. This one's going to focus specifically on the exams themselves. So the RACGP recently announced their decision to lay the upcoming fellowship exams. Can you give me some more information about that? So as you're aware, Sean, last Thursday, so on the 19th of March, the College Board made a very challenging decision to postpone the upcoming college exams in light of the evolving COVID-19 situation. Uh, And both The upcoming OSCE and AKT KFP exams are affected by this decision and then there is also a downstream effect on the second semester OSCE as well. So just to give our listeners an idea of exactly which exams, so essentially the 2020.1 OSCE was due to be held in May. Uh, It's now got a revised date of the 8th of November. The 2020.2 AKT slash KFP, so our written exam, was due to be held in July and it now has a revised date of September. And the 2020.2 OSCE, so um, obviously you need to have sat and passed the AKT and KFP to be able to then be eligible to sit that cycles OSCE. So there's been a flow on effect to that exam as well, which will now be held in February 2021. I do, I guess, want to take this opportunity to acknowledge those GPs in training that will be affected by this decision. It definitely was a last resort option for us uh, and, you know, was made after a lot of deliberation uh, and certainly putting all options on the table. But at the end of the day, the health and safety of all our exam candidates, our examiners, our college staff, and ultimately our communities were as well had to come first. And it really did become clear that the need to protect our members as our first priority and then with the exam venues pulling out and increasingly stringent social distancing restrictions being put in place at these exams would just not be able to go ahead um, as they were currently planned. I guess I acknowledge that those registrars will already be in study mode. So it was really important for us to make sure that we made that decision and made it clear and made sure there was some clarity around what the GPs in training out there could expect moving forward, you know, so they can plan into the future. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, you know, having been a party to those discussions, uh, I can't emphasise enough how seriously we took this decision. We know the ramifications of this and we know how much it affects uh, registrars and the broader community, their family and everything. But the college has emphasised over and over the safety of staff and candidates and our people are paramount. So that had to take 
precedents, unfortunately. Um, so, Christina, can you tell us how will these changes impact on exam enrolments? Yeah, so a really practical question. So I guess those candidates that had already enrolled in those upcoming exams essentially won't have to do anything further. Their exam enrolment will automatically roll over to the new um, postponed dates. For those candidates, though, who have not yet enrolled, they will note that there has been a temporary um, cessation of enrolment. So if they got on right now and tried to enrol, they wouldn't be able to. And that's simply to facilitate the changes with the exam calendar. So I can reassure everyone that will be back open and it's due to be back open on the 20th of April. So there will be plenty of time to enrol for those exams from that point. I guess I would also say that if there is a candidate who'd enrolled in in one of the exams, um, but was then unable to participate in the revised date, then they will be eligible for a full refund. So they wouldn't be uh, disadvantaged from that perspective. And also from the perspective of payments, just uh, to let people know that any of the exam preparation workshops or OSCE workshops uh, will be refunded in full to those candidates that had already enrolled in those as well. And certainly new activities will be hold, held when possible and obviously in a format that is possible moving forward. And I guess as an examiner myself, I'd also appeal to other examiners to, you know, there's going to be extra demands called upon examiners and please think of your junior colleagues um, when these calls come out and uh, we are all going to have to put our shoulders to the wheel to make sure that the future exams are sort of rolled out at the, the correct time and with the correct um, frequency. Yeah, that's right. I can't agree more. I mean, as as you know, that our examiners go through quite a stringent process to be able to examine for exams like the OSCE. Uh, and so ensuring we've got everyone available uh, will be really important to ensuring that those exams go ahead. So what impact will this have on training time caps and exam attempt caps, Christina? Yeah, so this is something I've heard sort of a lot of questions about. What I would say is that any registrar who is affected by the decision to postpone exams will be able to access an additional extension term so that there shouldn't be any registrar unfairly disadvantaged in terms of exceeding their training time caps um, by the decision to delay the exams. For those people that are concerned about exam attempts, they can also be reassured. Um, They're also not going to be disadvantaged by this decision. The exam attempts are linked to cycles, not the dates. So because the exams are keeping the same label, essentially the 2020.1 OSCE will still be the 2020.1 OSCE, but it will just be held in November instead of May. It will still represent the same cycle. And so it won't have any impact any negative impact on that that six attempt policy. The other point probably to raise is that those registrars that might be concerned that their exam results might expire before the rescheduled exams. And again, I would reassure anyone in this situation that they're not going to be disadvantaged. Again, because the exams are linked to the cycles and not to the dates, the postponement won't actually impact on the expiration of previous exam attempts and no registrar would be needing to resit an exam as a result of that decision. So what impact will this have on registrar employment? Yeah, so I guess I'd acknowledge that for some people affected by these exam delays, it is going to result in a delay of their fellowship. And certainly that's going to have the ability to impact personal 
wives um, and registrars and other GPs in training in terms of their plans into the future. And I really don't want to sort of underestimate that. And certainly we are working with RTOs, you know, to ensure as much leniency as possible to help GPs in training in this situation. I guess because the exams are a necessary requirement for fellowship, and unfortunately that's not going to change, um, those who have finished their training time but have not been able to complete their examinations will need to remain as a registrar. Uh, and I guess that has the implication that they will need to be remain employed as an employee as per advice from the ATO around the um, sort of employment arrangements um, between a trainee and their workplace and it also means that they will need to continue working at an accredited training practice. I guess I would point out the fact that registrars are protected under the national terms and conditions for the employment of registrars from an employment perspective but just to reinforce that this does represent a minimum terms and certainly registrars who find themselves in the position where they've actually finished their training time and have ticked everything except for their exam, they may want to sit down and have a discussion with their employer to see if a more favourable contract condition could be negotiated in that situation. But ultimately, it will be up to the individual registrar and employer. In the situation that a registrar may have already negotiated with a new practice to start work, with the thought that they would be passing their exams and be post-fellowship, then it may still be possible to move to that practice um, after their current contract their current contract with their practice ends, uh, as long as that is an accredited training practice. If it was not an accredited training practice, then they would need to talk to their RTO, and I'd recommend them doing that as soon as possible um, around sort of special consideration for enabling that training practice to be accredited. I guess another potential situation is that they're, uh, you know, whilst we'd have a lot of registrars when they finish their training would choose to stay on at their current practice, there may be a subset of registrars, I guess, who would be unable to stay on at their practice due to the, purely to the fact that the practice doesn't have the capacity to extend their contract. In this situation, I would recommend that registrars contact their RTOs as soon as possible so that they can work with the RTO to find an alternative training post um, that would be suitable for them. Um, And again, another situation that I'd really encourage registrars to be contacting their RTOs straight away is if they had planned some type of move, especially for those registrars that may have been planning to move interstate post their fellowship they really should get into their in contact with their RTO immediately to discuss any um, implications here and you know in terms of possible transfers between RTOs that would be needed to um, facilitate that. It's interesting here you talk about the contract is only a minimum contract transports me back to uh, 20 years ago when we were negotiating the first national terms and conditions document and those arguments were exactly the same arguments we're having back then. So I'm glad to see that they've uh, persisted. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, that's important. And it's, yeah, as I said, it is going to be up to the individual practice and registrar. And, you know, as a college, we certainly don't have any jurisdiction to impose practices to do anything different. But, you know, I think that if the registrar was in that situation, then they certainly have the right to at least have that conversation with their practice. 
So, Christina, how can registrars get more information? It's obviously going to change between now and when enrolments for next year close. So where can registrars go to get up-to-date information? Um, The college has released a dedicated website for GPs in training to look at impacts on both training and the exams themselves. Uh, And that website can be found at racgp.org.au slash coronavirus slash GPIT, which stands for GP in training, obviously. Uh, There is a link to that from the main RACGP coronavirus page. So it's it should be pretty easy to find. That has quite an extensive list now of um, frequently asked questions um, to try and help to provide some clarity to our GPs in training at this time. Uh, so I'd encourage people to look at that and that will certainly be updated in due course. I'd really encourage any trainees that have questions about the exam to get in contact either with their um, RTO or with the RACGP Probably the main email to be at contact through the RACGP is the examinations at racgp.org.au. And I would also encourage uh, registrars or any trainee if they're wanting to get in contact with the GPs in training faculty to raise a concern or an issue, or if you feel like there's a question that a lot of other GPs in training share and isn't on the website and you want it to be included, please get in contact with us at the faculty and you can do that through gpit at racgp.org.au. So sorry for for all of all of those websites and addresses, but um just to give people a point of contact. In addition to that, I just I really wanted to take this opportunity, Sean, to say that I'm really sorry to the GPs in training out there who are affected by this and to be honest it's not just those that are affected by the decision to delay the exams I think you know all GPs in training right now are being impacted to some extent at this time due to this evolving situation and having been through the training program myself very recently you know I'm aware of how full-on and all-consuming especially training can be at the best of times without throwing this situation into the mix I mean you enter general practice training and you've got to contend with that transition into community practice and the expectations of a training program and the pressure of study and assessment whilst trying to work and balance non-work commitments like family it's a huge weight to carry and at the moment our GPs in training are facing not only that but on top of it the challenge of being a frontline healthcare worker during a pandemic and trying to stay up to date of the latest information and, you know, adjusting to different service delivery models, the telehealth stuff, and then obviously facing uncertainty in terms of their progression. So the hugeness, I guess, of all that is not lost on me and it's certainly not lost on the staff within the college. And I just want the GPs in training out there to know that we are constantly taking these factors into consideration in our decisions and trying as hard as we can to minimise these unintended consequences despite some of the necessary decisions that have, have had to be made. So just really want everyone to know that as the college, we're here to support you and help you through this challenging time. And look, I, I would totally emphasise that it's important for people to realise the goodwill and the thought and 
the importance uh, and the emphasis that's placed on the decisions that are made by the senior leadership team of the college and, and the board. Uh, we do not take these decisions lightly. There is just an amazing array of really conscientious, great quality people who are doing everything they can to make the right choices in very difficult circumstances. And look, I'd like to say to all the registrars out there how lucky they are to have you in the boardroom because you are the constant voice of the doctors in training and um, you know the voice of reason and you know you really weigh in uh, for all of the decisions that count and you're always prepared and your opinion is always very well respected. Um, so on behalf of the registrars, I'd like to thank you, Christina. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Thank you. So no doubt we'll be speaking again soon. The things are evolving rapidly and there will be many, many more things happening between now and the next round of exams. So please stay tuned and um, we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Christina. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean.